Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't get fooled by cut rate networks. Verizon is America's only number one network according to Root Metrics. Join today and get up to $650 when you trade in your phone to cover your cost to switch. Verizon. Better matters. New smartphone device payment purchase and port in required. Get up to $650 prepaid card for installment plan balance less trade in value or up to $350 prepaid card for early termination fees less trade in value. Trade in must be in good working and cosmetic condition and be worth more than $0. Line must remain active for six months. Subject to BZW agreements, calling plan and credit approval. Rankings based on 2016 first staff Root Metrics U.S. national root score of four to four mobile networks. Results may vary. Visit rootmetrics.com. Welcome to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. If you have ever experienced or engaged in destructive or unresolved conflict, then you know it leads to broken relationships, distrust, and damaging results. Our program will help you manage and resolve conflict effectively with strategies, valuable resources, and support. I am your host, Patty Porter. My guest hosts, Dina Zametta and Stephen Kotev, along with our guest experts, will share our experiences, raise your awareness, and give you food for thought. We will share with you problem-solving strategies, no matter what your situation is, at work with neighbors or friends, family or partners. Tune in or join in the conversation every Tuesday evening. Does your family argue or fight about money or finances during the holidays? Expectations about what kinds of gifts to buy, how much you can afford to spend on travel, or even when siblings or other family members ask for money can cause conflict. In our holiday show series, Dave Hilton and I will talk about some of the causes of holiday financial conflicts, some strategies to keep from being sucked into the drama, and even some tips about how to calm family members down when emotions about money are high. So let me introduce you to my very special guest, Dave Hilton, the Financial Conflict Coach. He is a conflict engagement specialist, mediator, dispute resolution trainer, and speaker, and he is the host of the Financial Conflict Coach Show and another new show, the Conflict Specialist Show. Dave is also the founder and chairman of the Texoma Dispute Resolution Center, happens to be a nonprofit community mediation center that's serving parts of North Texas and Southern Oklahoma. And he's also a volunteer mediator for the Southern Methodist University Mediation Center in Dallas, Texas. Now, we are taking live callers. So if you are on uh, the computer listening in at this point, you can call 347-324-3591 with your comments or questions. And we also have the chat room open right now. You can post there your comments or questions. Uh, You simply go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Texas dash conflict dash coach. You will see the show. Scroll down and you'll see the chat room. Uh, So again, welcome to the show. And Dave, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with us tonight to talk about 
holiday spending and the conflict that can occur. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show. Well, let's let's get right into it. I'm I'm really curious about how you got into the conflict resolution field, but specifically why you focused on financial conflict. Well, mostly the reason is because uh, my family and I, not only when I was growing up, uh, but also uh, first part of my marriage, we had some financial issues. You know, my my wife is a is a spender, and I'm a bit of a saver, so that kind of caused some conflict at first, and. Um, so that sort of uh, tempted me into to focusing once I learned more about dispute resolution and conflict management to to help other people who deal with the same kinds of financial conflict. Okay, great. And then, uh, and you've been practicing for a while now. Uh, how long have you been in the dispute resolution field? Uh, almost four years. Okay, great. Okay, so say let's let's delve into the financial conflict coach, which is a very clever title. I love that. Um, say more about for you what is a financial conflict coach and what is your role as a conflict engagement specialist? Well, you know, the conflict coach um, idea, the the concept of that is is not necessarily new. I mean, it's a few years old at least. Uh, I know with your training and also uh, Cindy Noble from Synergy, who you know quite well as well. I mean, uh, you, you sort of have that uh, that marketing on there. And since you already took Texas Conflict Coach, I couldn't do that being here in Texas, so I had to come up with something <laughs> different. Uh, no, but uh, the, the financial part of it is, you know, I say that I'm the financial conflict coach, which means, of course, I deal with money and finances. But uh, I've noticed that a lot of people, what they consider to be financial conflict really isn't necessarily financial or monetary conflict. It's actually conflict that's caused by behavior. And most conflict is caused by that. So I just did that. I mean, honestly, uh, to be quite honest, it's it's more of a marketing issue for those people who are thinking, you know, I'm fed up with these conflicts and fights and arguments that I'm having with my spouse or my family or even bill collectors over money. So in their minds, what they're focusing on is something that's tangible, something, uh, you know, like the credit card bill or the credit cards or the actual cash uh, that they could hold. And so, so that tangible things become those tangible things become the source of the conflict. So I focus that so whenever people search, I mean, it's really a marketing thing, just like the Texas conflict coach is really. Um, mm-hmm. Just if somebody's dealing with what they consider to be financial conflict, then I'm there to help. Okay. But it, but I'm gathering from this conversation that you deal more, you deal with more issues other than just financial issues. Is that right? Yeah, when you when you start a conversation, I'm sure you're aware of this. You know, the more you talk with people you work with, uh, you know, the the further down below the line you get, the the bottom part of the iceberg, if you will, you find out that there's there's always something more. There's always something more that either they don't know how to talk about, or they they're not really sure how to vocalize what the real issues are. Again, they just focus on what the tangible thing, what they consider to be the source of the conflict. So, I mean, I deal with the finances, I deal with the money. Uh, I deal uh, actually a lot about uh, negotiation as well because even a, neg- a salary negotiation is a form of a financial conflict, and a lot of people are very, very uncomfortable with the idea of asking for more money or even negotiating for a salary when they first take a job. Oh, absolutely. I'll have to have you back on the show just for that because <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a big one there. 
Okay, so but the idea is we want listeners to know that it's not just that you're dealing with financial issues. You're really dealing with a lot of various issues. And as you said, as you delve into a conflict situation, a lot of it has to do with behaviors, assumptions that we make. Um, And so let's delve into what some of those assumptions and behaviors uh, that are made around the holidays, especially around spending. So we know that we're right into just finishing Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which, by the way, there were some great deals out there, weren't there? And uh, and I think Cyber Week, actually. I think now it's now not just Cyber Monday. I think it's Cyber Week. I could be wrong. But people are out there spending, spending, spending. And there's a lot of stress with the, you know, the expectations of I've got to buy for all these family members or nieces and nephews and kids. Or now we got the Secret Santa. Oh, what about work? We picked a name, you know. And so there's the stress can be high around when it comes to spending money. And there's a lot of those spoken and unspoken expectations. So what do you find to be some of the primary issues uh, that are causing some of the financial conflict during the holiday season? And it actually could be more than just the financial conflict. So let's explore that. Yeah, it, it is a lot about the expectations of the of you know the group dynamics and, and things like that. Um, Specifically about whenever you're dealing with family, I've, I've dealt with, I've worked with several clients who have dealt with family members who they have a financial situation right now where they can't really afford to to buy the plane tickets to go wherever it is that they usually go because the expectation is, well, you know, if you've done it every single year for the past however many years, that you should be able to continue that no matter what your issues are. But in reality, as you said, people are stressed out over paying their bills and just having enough money saved up in case something else goes wrong. And so those expectations about uh, travel, those expectations about all those gifts you were talking about are causing people a, a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress, and that causes conflict because people are afraid to say things uh, to family members or friends or even colleagues. I mean, what if you were the only person? I mean, just the stress. Think about that. If you're in a a workplace situation and every person in your department is doing the the white elephant or secret Santa or whatever it is, except for you, you you feel ostracized. You feel left out. And so, you know, just part of, of group dynamics and social dynamics, I mean, that causes people a lot of stress. And when you're talking about family, my, my wife and I dealt with similar situations like this whenever we first got together because my family, they weren't really big on gifts. They were big about getting together during the holidays but not on gifts, whereas my wife's family, she they spend money on each other all the time. And every single year, uh, they would always spend money on each other, which I thought was kind of odd. And so that caused even conflict between my wife and I. And she was terrified to say anything to her mother or to her sisters or any of her family members about the fact that, you know what, she doesn't really want to do it, but the fear of not being able to to do it and what would actually happen. Because as you know from your experience as a conflict coach, we build up these huge narratives in our mind Mm -hmm. about what's going to happen. Yeah, what's going to happen whenever I say whatever it is or I do whatever it is that I really need to do. So what we come up with in our mind is a big monster. And we have to overcome that monster. And so a lot of times what I do is I tell clients and people I've worked with and even my wife, you know, go on the two ends of the spectrum. Go with the worst possible scenario that you can come up with in your brain. That if you said that you couldn't afford to buy gifts this year and you told your mother that, would her head explode? I mean, literally, like that scene in Scanners in that movie, that old 80s movie. (laughs) I mean, the worst Yeah, I mean, the worst-case scenario, her head explodes, you know, and, and, you know, Christmas is ruined. And then you go on the opposite side of the spectrum and you say, okay, what is the 
best case scenario, the, the land of unicorns and rainbows, as I call it, where everything is perfect. So you mentioned to your mom that you can't afford uh, to do it, and what does she do? She hugs you because she's been wanting to say that for 25 years, and you finally had the guts to stand up for what you believe in. So, I mean, mm-hmm. use those two specters because what, and again, you know this, what's going to happen in reality is somewhere in the middle of those two things. Oh, absolutely. You know, and the thing about the the fear piece, and I think that's so true, um, that people do build up these monsters in their head, the worst case scenarios in their head, and and these huge scripts that have been uh, scripts for probably many many years, and sometimes even generations in a family. Uh, you know, and that fear is of being rejected, uh, all the worst nightmares that people would imagine, you know, I'm going to be rejected by my in-laws if I suggest something different. Because a lot of times it's about, like you said, your mother's, your your wife's family and your family maybe had different uh, beliefs, assumptions, traditions, uh, and then what will happen, you know, will you be, be rebuffed by your mother-in-law or father-in-law? Will you uh, start a new tradition um, around gift-giving? Uh, or maybe... Uh, as you said there, um, and we have multicultural families nowadays, so you, I, I have a number of friends who are both uh, Christian and Jewish, for example, and, as, of course, they don't celebrate the, 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 the way that a lot of us might have grown up in, in a Christian home, giving and exchanging gifts. And so, uh, and so how do you come to, you know, um, how do you come to reconciliation around that? So there's a lot of those fears about breaking those traditions, having those beliefs, um, you know, what is, am I going to be rejected? All of those things will be coming up. And I love the strategy of thinking of the worst-case scenario and the and the best-case scenario if you were to stand up and say, we can't really do this anymore. Um, what are some other, uh, other issues that you have seen uh, in addition to these expectations and these fears? Any other primary issues that you see causes this con- financial conflict during the holidays? Uh, a lot of times what will happen is, because during the holidays, a lot of families get together uh, where they don't see, any, see each other for quite some time. And in certain situations, I've dealt with that certain siblings will ask for money from either their parents or another sibling, and more conflict is caused by that. Uh, either if you're talking about parents and siblings, uh, what happens is one sibling is like, well, you know, mom and dad or whoever, you know, they've never helped me out whenever I needed something. Uh, but then they help out, you know, whether it's the baby or whether it's the firstborn or, I mean, again, you create these narratives of the reason why they're helping that person is because of this, this, and this, or because that person is really bad. And you, you create that story in your mind, those expectations of their behavior is what's causing them to be able to get the money or have to ask for the money. And so that causes conflict. Uh, within siblings or parents, whether they say yes or no about the money, there's still those the, the boundaries there, the social boundaries where uh, you, you talk about what's allowed and what's not. Um, and specifically, I'll, I'll use for an example, let's say a car. I've used this example quite quite a few times, where mm-hmm. somebody goes out, a sibling goes out and buys a new car, ends up in a financial situation, and around the holidays, that's when they ask for help to pay for their car. Mm. And then you hear the stories from one of the siblings or somebody in the family of, you know, so-and-so didn't help me whenever I bought my first car. I had to work part-time every every night after school and on the weekends and never got to go out to parties and things like that. So why are they helping them out and they never help me out? So this conflict is constantly being created just from situations like that. And, and those, that's all about social boundaries, what's allowed and what's not. 
Uh, are you familiar very much with uh, with Dr. Larry Prevost and his boundary model? Uh, no, actually, I'm not. It's it's a it's a conflict model that that talks about the boundaries whenever you're in a social situation, uh, whether it's at work or with your family, where there are boundaries. Consider picture just in your mind these two big giant lines, sort of like a uh, football stadium you would see on the end zone. Okay. You've got these two lines, and in the middle of those lines, that is what is acceptable, acceptable behavior. Okay. What I call socially enforced financial boundaries. Whatever happens within those, whether it be asking for money or not asking for money, those are the boundaries that are, that are acceptable to that particular social group. Anything outside of those lines, either to the right or the left of that, would be unacceptable. So if the majority okay. of the time, and this even goes back again to, you know, if you can't afford to, to, uh, to buy presents where everybody else always has, the moment you step without, outside of those boundaries, you're actually causing other people stress. Mm. And that's what causes the conflict because it's something outside of their acceptable behavior range. So if you say, I, I can't that. do this. Yeah, well, and, and, and I would imagine that within your family, uh, Dave's family, before right. your wife came into the picture, they have you have your social boundaries within that family, and then she mm-hmm. has her social boundaries within that family, and they probably don't always necessarily match up. <laughs> so when the two families come together, right, the social right. boundaries are different. Yeah, and those boundaries, there there is an added line, if you were to put a little dotted line sort of at an angle off of either side of that, where it's sort of the norm. You can get within those, the, the main boundary line and that extra line just a little bit outside of the normal, and you won't be ostracized or you won't have too many issues socially within whatever group you're talking about. But if you if you go outside of that, and again, I use I use cars as an example because we had that situation in our neighborhood. You know how you you deal specifically with um, with groups of people. You know your neighborhood. You sort of have an expectation of what kind of cars your neighbors drive, uh, what kind of condition the house should be in. So imagine for a second that you have a a neighborhood that most of the people drive stuff like Hondas or Nissans or Acuras or Lexus or something like that. Well, let's say somebody in your neighborhood ends up driving a Bentley. There's going to be talk within that social group. Mm-hmm. How are they affording that? How do they have that much money? How are they going to be able to pay for that or continue to pay for that? Because that's actually what we had. Somebody in our neighborhood was driving around a Bentley. Now, my wife and I knew why, because our neighbor works for a high-end car dealership, and that was his demo car that he was driving yeah. around. But, but unless you amongst, knew that, then there's probably yeah. some assumptions that are being made by those other neighbors. Exactly. And the same thing happens within smaller social groups like families. Because in families, you don't talk – well, most families, I'll say. I won't say all generalities, but the majority of families don't talk about finances. It's mm. a, taboo, a taboo subject. It's not like you go, hey, Merry Christmas, I made $120,000 this year. Yay for me. Right. That would right. never happen. People make assumptions. Now, I mean, there may be – cases where spouses or uh, siblings actually talk about how much money they bring in. But the majority of the time, that's one of those things you don't talk about. So anything, any behavior that you do that's outside those norms cause other people stress. It's the same thing whenever you're losing weight around the holidays. People are happy for you until it affects them. They're happy you want to make a change, but if it means that you can't go out to eat with them anymore or you can't go to the 
go drink wine three or four times a week with them, you cause them stress because you are affecting their lives. Mm. So when you think about these financial issues, any change that you make when somebody's used to something causes conflict and stress. Yes, yes. You know, the, the other thing that comes to mind, you know, about uh, it, the value that we put around money, and what I mean by that is, um, and th- this is something that I've experienced in some of our family dynamics, and that is, uh, you know, growing up, my father was always about buying gifts uh, because that's the way he showed his love. Right. So I learned growing up that if you get a gift, uh, that must mean you love me or that you like me or that, you know, that you right. really care about me. But if you but the but the, the, the social boundary was is if you don't give that gift, um, then that must mean you don't love me very much or whatever. So that that's a script, right? And so yeah. I had to learn over time as an adult that that is not the case. My husband didn't grow up in a family like that. And I remember early on, and we've been together 25 years. We just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. And I remember very early on in our relationship, that script most definitely played out. And so when it came to Christmas or holidays where there was expectations of gift-giving, I really had to change some of those beliefs and and how I put value, what, what money really meant in terms of value. It wasn't just a financial value. It To me, it meant love and appreciation and connection and gratitude and all of those things. And, of course, that has now drastically changed. But I imagine that we see that a lot, especially during the holidays as well. It's what are those values we attach to the act of gift-giving and then how much money you spent on the gift. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, those – and it's amazing to me how different people view how much money you spend because, like me – uh, even though I received gifts as a kid, as an adult, I don't like receiving gifts. Mm-hmm. I like giving gifts because in my mm-hmm. mind, I have the ability to buy the stuff that I want. I don't expect someone else to do that. I'll do that for myself if I want something that badly. And so I buy my wife gifts and my kids gifts and you know other family members gifts, but I have a really hard time accepting gifts because in my mind, I should be able to afford whatever it is that I want with my own money. I shouldn't have to expect it from someone else. So even I deal with that, you know, and, and I think it's funny that uh, a lot of times people think that whenever you're, uh, you work in conflict management or dispute resolution or you mediate or whatever, that somehow you're immune to conflict or financial conflict or any kind of conflict, when in reality all it is is that, that we notice things before other people do. Yeah, so, and, and, and there is an assumption for people outside of our field that we are immune, and we're not, absolutely. We have to work the same as hard as everybody else to change our behaviors, to listen, to understand what our own assumptions are, that we're are, you know, changing our scripts and knowing what our scripts are before we can even change them. You know, and so um so I think that all of this is, is really interesting work. Now what are so let's talk about, you know, those who are listening in uh, to this podcast even later, what are some of the strategies families and friends can use you know, from being sucked into the black hole and drama of holiday spending, what would you, you know, and holiday spending could be not just gift giving, as you said, it could be the expectation of paying, you know, the extra money to fly out or, you know, all, all kinds of things. So what are some strategies uh, would be helpful? The first thing is to use that, that same thing, the, the financial boundaries. Come up with your own. Find out where you're comfortable and where you're not. Don't worry about anybody else that's in your life. 
whether it be family, friends, coworkers, whatever. Find out where your boundaries are and what's acceptable to you. And then you find where those two meet. Think about what your boundaries are and think about what their boundaries are and try to find if there is even a little sliver of those two lines, those two sets of lines. Let's say your lines, your boundary lines are blue and theirs are red. So find where those overlap and create some sort of purple. I work color, so yeah. So think about you know where that is, and even if it's just a small, as I said, sliver of agreement where those the acceptable behavior. Focus on that instead of what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. Like okay, if I do this, then they can do that. Well, that's one of the most important strategies. Another thing that's very important, and I don't know how much you do work in group dynamics. But understanding that, you know, uh, Dr. Uh, David Cantor, who is a family therapist, came up with this pattern, this idea of group dynamics where there are four distinct roles in any group whenever you get people together, an initiator, a blocker, a supporter, and the observer. Now, what happens with these four specific uh, types of personalities is that the the initiator is normally the person who comes up with the ideas, whether it be, okay, we're going to do, just like we've done in years past, we're going to do a white elephant, or just in years past, we're going to go travel to so-and-so. What happens is people are stressed about becoming the blocker when you're talking about group dynamics. They're afraid to say no. Mm. So instead, they become a supporter of the group. They support whoever the person who is initiating whatever idea or concept is. And then you have those people that don't have an opinion one way or the other, the observer, who just sort of observe what's going on. So they go along for I, the ride. Do they just go along right. for the ride? Yeah, and and a lot of times they'll be the ones that comment about what everybody else is talking about. Gotcha. They sort of recap what's going on. So one very very powerful thing, and it's going to be, and I'll, I'll tell you straight up, this is one of the most difficult things to do, is to change your perspective in a group, whether you're family, friends, whatever. Is instead of supporting the initiator of someone who is suggesting that you do something you're not comfortable with doing, instead of supporting them or just becoming an observer, be a blocker and just see what happens. Again, you're going to create those narratives in your mind of the worst-case scenario and the best-case scenario. What's actually going to happen when you become the blocker is going to be somewhere in the middle. It's going to be very, very uncomfortable. And if you're not comfortable at first to be the blocker, instead of being a supporter, just be an observer. Don't say anything. Mm. Just okay, to see how, yeah, just to see how it's how it all turns out. I mean, okay. it's all it's all based on perspective, and you know that. You know, if you, if you can take yourself out of a situation, you tend to see more clearly. You and by those, them changing this perspective, what is it you're hoping that they're going to achieve? By changing your perspective, uh, if you're the initiator, blocker, or whatever, if you change to to something else, you might be able to see that little bit of sliver where you can both agree or you can all okay. agree. Okay, good. Because, whenever, because essentially, and as you know in your work, you know, you, you're know, set in your stances, whatever position that you have, and people don't budge, and people don't want to change. Yeah. So instead, take yourself, take yourself completely out of it. Instead of having you involved, step back for a minute and just let, let's say, your parents and your siblings talk it out and just observe what happens. See where that switch happens. See if anybody actually disagrees with it. Because when my wife ended up finally getting the nerve to say something to her mom about it, because that's what I had her do was kind of stand back and, and see, you know, they were doing it just because they had done it for years. Mm. It wasn't because people wanted to do it. 
it wasn't because you know it was it was a requirement in some sort of family contract that they had. Mm. It was just they they had gotten into a rut and they'd been doing the same thing over and over and over again. And when she finally stepped back and instead of immediately jumping in and supporting the idea of doing a uh, a gift exchange, what she did was just step back and not say that she wanted to be a part of it or not. So she watched that and realized that that's why they kept doing it because you're going to see the pattern. And that's what you're trying to accomplish is see the pattern of behavior that you're doing over and over and over again. And did that give her the courage or reduce her fear to some degree by staying in that observer role? Yes, absolutely it did. And it it gave her the courage after several back and forth between the siblings and the parents of her just coming up and saying, you know what, We, we can't do that this year. And even though at first it caused a bit of an uproar again, you know, you've got your social boundaries when you're talking about it. Right. They at first blamed her, but then after, because uh, that was during Thanksgiving, was when they were talking about doing that, you know, trying to plan for Christmas. A few days after Thanksgiving that year, one of her sisters called her and thanked her for saying that, because they couldn't do it either. They really couldn't afford it either. But they were too afraid to say anything about it. Mm. It only takes yeah, one Yeah, because it's, it's like sacrilege to break tradition, right, yeah. <laughs> for, for exactly. a lot of people. And and like you said, they do get in that, that rut. People do get into that rut, and they're unhappy. And that's the irony of it because everyone everyone is unhappy, and yet if someone would just speak up and be courageous and be the, you know, the blocker in this case, um, then, uh, you know, maybe the initial reaction, as you said, is, oh, my gosh, you know, how could you even, you know, bring that up? But after – you know, we all react, right? But after we take a step back again, then it's just like, oh, my gosh, that was probably – she had the courage to do it, and I didn't, you know, so good for her. So, okay, so that's – so one is changing that perspective, and I like those four roles that you just uh, described. And then, of course, the worst-case, best-case scenario, um, if you were to stand up and to say something, anything else that you wanted to talk about as far as strategies? Um, strategies, and I, I rely on – on the conflict personality inventories a lot when working with clients, just so they can understand what type of conflict style that they use in certain certain situations, and so they can start identifying of those types of uh, traits in other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite uh, is the Crayville conflict style inventory. The style matters. Yes, That's yes, I know that one. That's my favorite. Yeah, where they okay. talk about the the different uh, uh, the different animals which I, I just love the, the pictures and the colors that they use with that. But just knowing that, I mean, when you think about it, whenever you finally understand what kind of conflict personality you have, because, you know, my wife is, is very accommodating. I'm very competitive. My mother-in-law is very competitive as well. Okay. So say, you know, just straight up front. So my wife realized after step, stepping back and becoming more of an observer that she was just accommodating what her mom was wanting all the mm-hmm. time. She didn't even okay. realize that. But once you take one of those inventories, once you you know go through that process and you understand what kind of personality type that you have, and then you can start identifying what types of personalities that the people around you have. Again, it, I mean, this works for friends, family, and, and coworkers as well. Once you start understanding that, you can adapt how you interact with those people. Now, of course, it takes well, practice, and a few yeah. times you're going to fail, and you're going to fail miserably. But if you expect that up front, if you know you're going to fail, you're at least trying. And that's the first well, thing. Well, and like you said, it's that. it's hard work, but you can yeah. change. Bringing that la- one, raising that level of awareness, which is what you're talking about with, you know, right. these conflict personality styles instruments, and there's a number of them out there. 
but once you raise that level of awareness, is is, is really practice and, and and not to be afraid that if it fails miserably the first time, that it's going to always fail miserably. Uh, it won't, and, and and that's why we have uh, conflict coaches, uh, right, <laughs> like yourself, exactly. uh, to exactly. help people through that. And the the, the key there is that, you know, clients will say, you know, I've been like this all my life. I'll never change. I don't know that I have any hope that I can change. And that's the first thing I say is you absolutely can change, and that's what, you know, you're here to help you do. And part of it is just raising that level of awareness. So that's that's great. Okay, anything else that you wanted to share with listeners? Uh, any additional strategies? Uh, not not quite so technical things, but instead now we'll talk specifically about money strategies when you're talking okay. about money. Uh, even though, again, you know, taboo subject when you're talking about money, you don't want to let people uh, in your life necessarily know how much you make, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with telling somebody what your holiday budget is. Because okay, what it does is that sets a separate set of boundaries where you say, here's our holiday budget, this is our budget that we have, and it's, this is really effective when you're dealing with family members. You may feel a little uncomfortable to do it, uh, when you're talking to coworkers, but you can just simply say that you've you know spent all your holiday budget. But if you go and you tell your siblings or your family or whatever that hey you know what we've uh, we've budgeted a thousand dollars just keep it simple we budgeted a thousand dollars for holiday travel expenses and gifts this year. Well, it costs us this much to uh, to travel there. It costs us this much to buy these gifts for the kids. It costs us this much to do this, and so all we have left is this or we are out of money now because of it. Right, that okay, good. And so you're giving specific numbers because it's difficult to argue about specific numbers. Okay, good. Yeah, especially after you've already spent it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because chances are those other people in your life are going to be uncomfortable by saying, well, why don't you just spend a little bit more? They're not going to want to say that. No, they're not going to say that. Okay, so that's and, good. So you tell people what your holiday budget is. Okay, well, all right, good. What is, other money? Uh, I mean, essentially, this is this is just a negotiation tactic when you really get down to it, whenever you boil it down. You're negotiating with your family. You're negotiating with whomever about what you're willing to do for the holidays. And you're giving them your cutoff point. Now, you know, interesting, in our family, um we for for my in, especially my in-laws uh it was for for years it was everyone got everyone everything uh, so everyone got everyone a gift the kids the adults and that became started to be very very expensive and so finally we you know we finally kind of took that step back in a breath and said you know what we really can't continue to do this we you know we really can't afford it and so it's through the, it probably took a couple of years of negotiating and talking through it, but we finally agreed that um, that the kid, we, the kids, the small kids, would be something we would all get gifts for, and there mm -hmm. was only two or three of them. But everybody else, we decided we would do uh, a name selection. And uh, the first year, we didn't put any budget to it, which was a problem because <laughs> then you had those expectations again that. You know, whoever's name you got, let's say, like you like to give gifts. I love to give gifts. And so I might say I'll spend $50 on that person. And then who, and then, then we would get there to the Christmas gift exchange, and another person selected another family member's name, and they bought them something that was $10. And then so, then people started to feel, well, that wasn't fair. and then how, So then we had to negotiate the second year that we would put 
budget limits to it. And so now we have, you know, no more than X, but it also has to be a minimum of Y so that everyone felt it was fair, you know, no one was being, you know, felt like that they weren't, you know, love cared enough or whatever. And we only had to buy for one person versus, you know, 25. Uh, so that, that negotiation took a couple of years to get to, and now it seems to work pretty well. Yeah, and then, I mean, that happens so many times. So, I mean, when you set specific numbers, that's the best thing you can do when it comes to, to money. When you say we have a limit of whatever, I mean, we have a limit of $100 to spend on this particular thing, or we have a limit of $20 to spend in the Secret Santa. If you set those boundaries, most people now of course you're always gonna get you're always gonna get the people who either go under that or like they'll buy the one dollar lottery ticket and give that or uh and of course I say that in Texas, I keep forgetting that not everybody everywhere has a lottery, but uh you know, <laughs> a lot of times those the two dollar scratch offs or whatever you could do, or you'll have the, the boss or the manager who's trying to impress everyone and even though you set a limit of twenty dollars, they're gonna be the ones that get the fifty dollar gift card to the you know, best steakhouse in town. You're always gonna have yes. those acceptance. But yeah. don't be that, you know, don't be that exception. Just go with the flow, and it, it will be a lot easier on you and cause you a lot less stress. Absolutely. Okay, any other money strategies? Because we're getting ready to uh, start to close the show here. Is there anything else that you wanted to relay? Uh, specifically, try not to, to lie. I know that's the temptation when you're talking about money and saying, well, I just, I can't do it, or I need to, I have this bill, you know, I need to buy tires for my car. So many people, a lot of people I work with, that's their first idea. That, and, you know, there's not any bad ideas, but there are always better options. And that's the thing to keep in mind. You know, they just think, well, I'll just tell a lie. I just can't go, you know, I don't want to do it. I want to avoid this conflict. I don't want to have to deal with it. So I'll just say I've got, a, I've got these other expenses. Don't lie because then you have to keep lying over and over and over mm. and over again. It's a cycle that never ends. You have to remember what you lied about, and then the next time they see your car and they notice you don't have new tires, somebody's going to ask you about it. So I thought yeah. you'd find new tires for your car. Just simply, and even as uncomfortable as it is, just have the courage to say no, to say that I can't, not yeah. right now. That doesn't mean I can't ever. It just means not right now. Not right now. Absolutely. Oh, that's a great one, too, a great strategy. Oh, you've had a number of really great strategies for people to be thinking about, not only from a conflict perspective, behavioral perspective, but also very specific to money strategies that are very practical. Um, now, we usually close the show by giving an assignment for the week. Do you have a specific assignment or one that you want to highlight from the strategies that you gave? Uh, from the strategies that I gave, probably the number one thing is that if you're normally a supporter or you're normally an initiator of, of whatever kind of whatever causes the financial conflict uh, in your family, in your in your uh, uh, whatever situation, your your relationship that you're you're having issues with, take a step back and be the opposite of what you normally are. If you're always the initiator, be a blocker or be an observer. Take a different role just for a little while, and it's going to be really uncomfortable, but that's why it's an assignment. Assignments usually aren't that easy. Exactly. Okay. Make a point. Yeah, make a point of, of either being an observer or being a blocker in a situation that causes you conflict. Okay, excellent. And, you know, and folks, it, when you, not if, but when you try that role, 
We would love to hear feedback about how that went for you. Uh, and you can simply leave uh, comments on, on the show page here at Blog Talk Radio. You can certainly leave comments on the Financial Conflict Coach uh, Facebook page or the Conflict Connections Facebook page, but we would love to hear from you. Now, where can uh, folks find you and uh, and say a little bit about your anything else that you would like to say about your two radio shows and how they can tune in? Well, the, I do a, a financial conflict coach show. Uh, a lot of times uh, the guests that I have on there, I've had you on the show. Uh, I also Which have, I uh, loved. Yeah. <laughs> it's always, always nice to be able to, uh, to talk a little bit about something that you're not used to talking about. And financial conflict is, is definitely one of those things that most people don't think a lot about. But I have on uh, you know, different people in the financial world, whether it be bloggers or authors of uh, personal finance books, um, I also have, uh, you know, money planners, financial planners, and uh, certified financial planners, those types of people on the show, and we discuss different ways that you can deal with conflict uh, in your relationships. Uh, I also have the Conflict Specialist Show, where I talk specifically with, uh, with other experts in the field of dispute resolution and conflict management. So those are the two shows that I do. Now, if you want more details about the Financial Conflict Coach, you can check out the website, financialconflictcoach.com. You can also find out more about the Conflict Specialist Show as well at conflictshow.com. Conflictshow.com. And, of course, you're on Facebook. And if you go to either yeah. of those sites, you'll see that he's on Twitter and Facebook and a number of other, probably LinkedIn and I don't know how many other social media sites, uh, but uh, Dave is all around uh, and, and can, is easily reachable. Uh, is there anything um, special that you wanted to let listeners know, anything uh, upcoming that you want to announce? In the, the first part of 2013, probably uh, end of February or first part of March, I'm going to do an uh, online training program uh, specifically for negotiation. Uh, because, again, as we mentioned earlier in the show, financial conflict is, uh, negotiation is a form of financial conflict, not a very stressful one, but it could be for certain people. But I'm going to help people, uh, specifically the training is going to be focused on uh, being able to use negotiation tactics. It's sort of an introduction to negotiation that you can use for uh, getting a higher salary, getting a better job whenever you're negotiating your salary, uh, negotiating for uh, buying a car, because that, that's another thing that makes people a lot, that's a type of financial conflict that makes a lot of people uncomfortable because those people are trained and highly trained to get as much of your money as possible, despite what they may say in their advertising. Um, also, uh, things to help you uh, even negotiate a house. So I'm going to do an online training program, which will take a couple of days. I'm, I'm probably it's going to be about three days uh, over one week okay. that you can do, and uh, we'll do it live, and we'll also record it. So if people can't be there live to participate in it, they can go back and watch the recordings of that as well. So that'll be sometime end of Mar uh, end of February, first part of March. Oh, that's excellent! And you'll be announcing that through the financialconflictcoach.com site. Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. All right, well, very good. I'm so glad that we got to do this conversation together, and I really appreciate you being uh, on this show and doing this podcast for us. What final message would you like to leave with listeners? Be confident in your decisions. Well, great. That's a very simple message and a very powerful one indeed. So, Dave, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Texas Conflict Coach. We hope you enjoyed the program. You can find all of our podcasts archived to listen at your convenience 
at TexasConflictCoach.com or download the podcast at iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can also become a Facebook fan of Conflict Connections or Twitter me at TXConflictCoach. Don't get fooled by cut rate networks. Verizon is America's only number one network according to Root Metrics. Join today and get up to $650 when you trade in your phone to cover your cost to switch. Verizon, better matters. New smartphone device payment purchase import and required. Get up to $650 prepaid card for installment plan balance less trade in value or up to $350 prepaid card for early termination fees less trade in value. Trade in must be in good working and cosmetic condition and be worth more than $0. Line must remain active for six months. Subject to BZW agreements, calling plan and credit approval. Rankings based on 2016 first half Root Metrics U.S. national root score of 4 to 4 mobile networks. Results may vary. Visit rootmetrics.com. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bok, bok, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bok, bok, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.